Hiya. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy everything. Happy Valentine's. Happy, <laughs> happy, happy birthday. Happy for Thank you. <laughs> happy everything. <laughs> happy back to work. And we've got to accept this, but we've got to embrace this at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> happy 2019, everyone. No, 2019. <sighs> Your 2018 went so fast, I barely even got to blink. <laughs> my annual leave went so fast, that's that's all I know. How, how much annual leave do you get? Um, no, I had a week and a half off, and then mm-hmm. I was just not I was back to work. I blinked, and I was just, oh, okay, I'm back. I, again. Too much I think in total, I was off for nearly about two weeks. Just under two weeks. Oh, nice. Week weeks. Yeah, I had a week. It's nice, but it's like when you have to adjust back to it, it's like, mm, okay. And also, I work contracts, so I just keep thinking of, I need to go back to work now. Like, Christmas needs to be over. I can't enjoy you because I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> so it's not, it's not as great as everyone mm. thinks it is. Well, let's get to it. Welcome to episode five. And today we'll be discussing feminism and travel etiquette. Now, in the usual two-door fashion, we'll be asking each other, what did we do? Where did we go? So, ladies first. Shree. Okay, where did I go? What do I do? What did I eat? So, obviously, I've been in Birmingham again for the last, like, two weeks. So, I actually made sure I went to two restaurants up there, which I think I said last time that I was going to make sure I did things while I was there instead of just sitting in the house and watching Netflix. So, I hit up two restaurants. Um, One was San Carlos that everybody in Birmingham goes to because I feel like it was, like, the first kind of... Not the first, but it was, like, one of the first decent nice looking restaurants that was affordable that our age group could go to so that's an italian restaurant have a sister restaurant called fumo around the corner but fumo is literally always busy you have to um you just have to go on the day you can't pre-book so we went to go fumo which is also italian um i'm trying to think i think it's more like italian tapas style but italian mixed with like english dishes as well from what i remember got there couldn't get in because it's over full. Then the bouncer brought us around to San Carlos, which is literally just like a one minute walk around the corner, which they weren't as full, which I feel it's because it's a bit more expensive than Fumo. And we went there to eat, which was quite nice and nice little ambiance. Like it's not too slow, it's just nice, classy. Um, the food's actually quite filling. So I struggle sometimes when I go to Italians because I eat Italian food, but I'm not an Italian food connoisseur. So for me, I just kept it simple because I'd had too much lobster over the Christmas anyway. So I kept it simple with like a seafood pasta, which was so filling that I probably had like four to five 
I would say spoonfuls, but use fork with the pasta. You know, about four to five spoonfuls. And I was like, you know what? I need to take it home. Before that, we had like this, um, I can't remember what they're called, but you know, like them pizza garlic breads. So that was absolutely huge between three of us so by the time the main came i couldn't even enjoy it to the level that i wanted to enjoy it because i was so full but that was quite nice it was like a tomato-y garlicky kind of um sauce with the seafood and also i'd have had a little family meal at somewhere called zen metro bar and grill which is also in birmingham mm-hmm. and it is um thai food once again got a nice little ambiance i think the thing with birmingham is mm-hmm. if you go at the right times and on the right days um the bars are quite quiet in the week especially on some of the side roads so if there's anyone from Birmingham or you're going to Birmingham you want a little quiet one or a sneaky getaway with Bay I'd say try some of them little smaller restaurants the service is fine if you're hiding from anyone no one isn't going to see you so that was my two eateries um do you want to talk about yours or should I talk about where I went out to as well um yeah where, where did you go to um, so I didn't go out properly in Birmingham because I never do. Um, but last week, was it last week, I just went to car going Shoreditch. So one of my friends from America, so a lady I met in New York, um, she came to the UK for the second time. So she was just like, oh, she needs to go out with her and her husband. I'm not really a big raver. So I said, let's just go to a little bar. So I went to Cargo because it was open. I thought, oh, let me just take them there. And you know what? It wasn't too bad. Like it's the sort of place I would go to personally but it gets quite full the drinks are cheap so it's free entry um i think it's on great eastern street or basically like offshore high street somewhere the drinks are quite cheap the music's mixed the vibes mixed like everyone knows what shoreditch is like kind of a bit i don't a bit hippie-ish but then you know you got your little black people there you got white people there it's quite a mixture of crowds um and it got quite busy actually the night got quite full so it was it's an interesting set of people, which I'll probably discuss another time when we talk about more clubs in London that we've been to. But for a free night out on a Thursday after work, or if you just want to get out the house and not spend too money, too much money, I'd go along to cargo. It's nothing posh. You just roll up in your trainers, roll up in whatever you want to roll up in, and just enjoy yourself, really. Um, I went to a few places. Nothing really foodie because I'm doing veganuary. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. How's it so, going? Uh, it, it's hard. I've, <laughs> made, I've had some sins and made some slippages, but along the way, like I had lamb, just one rib. How how do you slip up and have lamb? Lamb not to slip up on lamb, you know. You yeah, it was a lamb rib. I was lamb. on the way to work. <laughs> And on the way back from work, and I had a stressful day. I was like, oh, let me just get some chips. And then they're like, oh, the guy said, do you want the lamb rib? I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> Sorry? Where do you get lamb ribs from? Because I never have. A lot of anywhere that's like, does halal really will do them. Mm. Pork ribs do um, lamb or beef. Um, and I ate at Temple of Hackney, which was formerly known as Temple of Satan. Uh, yeah. had a spicy burger with mac and cheese and chipotle salt fries the fries are really nice and the hot sauce is really really hot but my mac and cheese i'm sorry i'm basing this on caribbean standards my ma- the mac and cheese i did not enjoy it was not mm. what was the burger like because i've never tried there um, I mean, friend, like- I will 
had a beef type one, but obviously it's not beef. So that was darker kind of meat. And I had the seitan. Well, they're both from made of seitan, but mine was kind mm. of like chicken style. So it was kind of like a breaded chicken burger kind of thing, but with more dense texture. How did it compare to that? The, um, like the chicken pieces, but they're not the fake chicken pieces from Cook Daily. Oh, the fake chicken pieces from Cook Daily were much better. They were softer and more chewy, and they had better seasoning on them. This was like more of a breaded, dry chicken kind of burger, like a mm-hmm. dense one. And then it had like coleslaw and other stuff with it. But yeah, um, I went to Hackney Empire also. I was in mm-hmm. the area to see Aladdin and a pantomime. Unfortunately, Sunday was the last day. But if it ever does come round again, wicked, 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 go and see it. I would give it a nine out of ten. But we'd be here all day if we start talking about what we did. Obviously, we've got a podcast to do. So yes. we're going to roll into it. Do you Definitely. have anything you want to ask? Um, just kind of what I want to say. So originally I thought about, well, we discussed going into feminism and travel anyway um, from before. And I saw something online that kind of sparked my interest into this topic as well. So I think I must have been reading a blog. And just to summarize it, I think a lady, she went to, I'm going to say she went to Caribbean or South America. Can't remember exactly. She went to Caribbean or South America. It could have been... I'm going to say Guatemala, maybe, or Guyana. One of the two, I can't remember. And she stayed with some friends that she knew. They cooked her dinner, blah, blah, blah. She had been there a few times. And her thing was, after she had eaten, they, she said they expected her to wash the dishes or something like that. So her and the friend washed the dishes, where I think the dad and the brother or something, they didn't wash the dishes. So her thing was, oh, okay, so what? Am I having to wash dishes because I'm a woman? Um, this is her concept. She's like, you know, things have changed, blah, blah, blah. Why am I washing dishes? Why are they not washing dishes? All this malarkey. And I think he was just saying in a nutshell, it's got nothing to do with you being a female. It's more because you come here all the time. Like, you slightly need to pull your weight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not you're not new anymore. You're comfortable. Like, we fed you. Really, this is the thing that you should do to follow up. And it kind of made me thinking that, okay, firstly, are there different perspectives on how women should behave when they travel, but also as well in regards to travel etiquette and when you go to stay with someone um, when you're on holiday or you're staying in someone's home, how would you behave? So that's what kind of kicked off why I thought this was something that we should touch on. So, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm a feminist per se, but um, the reason why I found this interesting was... Uh, we're coming from a time where, um, first of all, explain for me what I feel feminism is. It's a fight for female Ooh. rights and equality next to men. So, you know, I do respect that we have our differences and we strive to understand each other. Um, but what I don't accept is that um, we should be having equal pay. Uh, we should have mutual respect. And mm-hmm. we have voices that should be heard and we're not just objects to be seen. So that's my main motivation of really discussing feminism. I'm not mm-hmm. about burning my knickers and running around naked. However, <laughs> I do feel that, you know, we do need to touch on this and it's important in yeah. relationship with travel. So um, we're moving from times where we weren't even allowed to vote. We weren't allowed to work till now from uh, to now times where, you know, a lot of women are doing solo travel 
Um, a lot of women are top earners in the household and breadwinners. And even in the travel industry, actually 70% of the travelers are women. Um, mm-hmm. However, we're still in a catchphrase where a lot of the guy, um, people earning money from travel or um, the top editors or the top workers in travel industry are actually men. So it's like, how mm-hmm. do we kind of combat that? So we'll probably will touch on this and, you know, um, travel etiquette also as a woman. So um, I, that was all I wanted to add on, on basically why we're, we're talking about it so we can get stuck in. Okay. Also to add, fem- mirror what you say as well, like, you know, women, we've come so far. I sit on the border. I think when I was younger, I was a lot more passionate when it came to females, human empowerment, feminism. I think even through college days, everyone's like, you're going to be a feminist. Now I'm a bit more relaxed, but that's just me personally. But I think it's important for us to focus on how women are perceived. Um, I think what you were saying about, um, even though women are making up seven, 70% of the travel travellers, but we're not fully represented. But I came across recently, there's a black female called Kelly Edwards, and she's actually... I don't know if she's the first woman, but she's definitely the first black woman to have her own travel show that's going to be airing soon, um, which is quite interesting because obviously, as we know, like travel shows are very white male dominated. Like I can't mm-hmm. think off the top of my head if I've seen any female travel show hosts ever, actually. A lot of the times there are all these white guys going into the jungle and to try food in the amazon or something so that's um something that's really what's the word i'm looking for that's a breakthrough because it shows us that a lot of us that are on that travel platform that you can take it further and that you don't just have to stay in the box of being just a black traveler within your community that there are people that are taking it global now and she has been across the board cool Just touching on that, um, I was reading this uh, feminine ease, feminist e-zine, it's like an e-magazine, and it mm-hmm. was saying about the 10 worst and the 10 best, in their opinion, places uh, to live as a woman. Um, and some of the stuff on the list will be surprising, some wouldn't. So of the 10 worst, it was Afghanistan, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Um, Democratic Republic of Congo, mainly the East region, mm-hmm. um, Iraq, mm-hmm. Nepal, or I think it's Nepal, um, yeah, Sudan, yeah. which is the Western Sudan, which is um, a lot of violent crimes towards women still happen there. Um, oh. And that's what, uh, the means, violence is the means that they used for population control. Um, mm-hmm. Guatemala, Mali, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Somalia. And as you obviously do know, um, Somalia has a high rate, one of the highest rates of FGM, mm-hmm. genital mutila- mutilation. So I think that has also something to do with that. Now, the 10 best um, countries were in no particular order, Iceland, mm-hmm. Norway, Australia. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in Australia? Um, I don't know Canada. if I would, you know. <laughs> Sorry? No, I don't know if I would, but go on. <laughs> no, it's beautiful, but 
it's, it's amazing, you know, sunny all year round. Why wouldn't you want to live there? But you know, um, Canada, Ireland, Sweden, which I know their quality of life is very, very high, as well as Switzerland. We touched on that in our last podcast, Japan, surprisingly. Hmm. Uh, Netherlands and well why wouldn't you want to live in the Netherlands you know we just... <laughs> and France okay so, I'm surprised about the France because I find the French slightly stuck up just a little bit they are a bit more the Paris the Parisians are quite yes, stuck up yes, I, I, I like France I could live there but I say that I get there and then I'll really yeah, I've always wanted to, but then I find when I go there, a lot of people that are from there are like, okay, for black people living there. But mm-hmm. I think for me, because I already have my career, etc., etc., I'm just going to live and enjoy. So, but yeah, I would actually used to want to live there all the time. Yeah. It's not fun. that um, they're not the greatest for women. I can see why with some of them, but they're probably ones where like women don't have much of a say, I'm assuming. So it's like patriarchy. Those countries, am I right or am I wrong? wrong. No, it is. It's highly male dominated, and uh, you know the voice of women seems to be silenced. None mm. of this westernized stuff that we have over here. You know, as they, <laughs> as they old school say, we're too westernized. Which I will come to a sec. Obviously, you know our own travel experiences. You know from what we've experienced, but we will touch on that at the end. You know, we just get the facts. Hit you guys with the facts. And tell us, tell you guys about our experiences as well. Um, I also did want to touch more on um, travel etiquette. Do you have anything further to add on the feminist side? Um, on the feminist side, the only thing I was going to say is that I feel like growing up as a woman in general, we're never really pushed to be explorers, to be a bit rough and ready. And I think that's the problem why people... Um, don't put as much value on female travellers. So, like, when actually growing up, a woman's supposed to be sitting still when your little boy cousins are playing. Not me as much, but I find for some people, when their little boy cousins are playing, they're supposed to sit down, keep neat with their dresses, their clothes are supposed to be neat. But as a traveller, naturally, you don't have that neatness, you have that rugged... Um, what's it called again you have that rugged adventure side to you so I think that's why people don't focus on women as travel because back in the day their perception was women are supposed to be quiet women are supposed to be still they're supposed to be quiet they're not supposed to ask questions and as a traveler what you do you ask questions you explore you want to know about other people your mind's very intuitive is that the word yeah Your, your mind's very intuitive I think that's why maybe some women feel away tapping into that side or they haven't even been allowed to so maybe growing up if you allowed your daughters to explore more then women would be dominating the travel um the travel scene even more than they already are that's what i want to add for that bit i think also travel and feminism goes hand in hand because you know when you see like like you said that uh children naturally inquisitive and intuitive when you do see things that you you know it sparks a question oh mummy why is that girl not going to school and that boy is going to school or mummy why is um you know that woman fetching water and washing her clothes in the water like all of those kind of things when you see differences you kind of get to see how um, 
similar we all are but then the differences in our way of life and again that affords gratitude and encourages gratitude and I think yeah children should be traveling from a young age and you know travel more and experience more I think they'd be grateful for the the privilege because when you say it like that okay you know you've got white privilege and you've got black privilege and stuff Mm -hmm. people don't actually understand how to use their black privilege travel privilege is a thing it's another thing you know it's a it's a Mm -hmm. luxury that most i think as well it reminds me of something that you said a few weeks ago when we were talking personally i think you were saying like when you were growing up that you were made to do certain things like you had to etc etc um and i think that's key as well because like you said you see your parents women in your family doing all the in quotations female feminist stuff mm-hmm. the feminist stuff yeah the female things and conforming to female gender roles and that's often once again passed down to our daughters so we're given those and told us it's important to be nurturing but sometimes when you look at the young white kids at school they're not forced to do them things like little sally can come home with her knees grazed with her coat dirty and you know they're accepting it us now you're getting beaten because you accidentally ripped your school tight so i think it all stems from a lot of that as well yeah i know what you mean like cause when i first started traveling and regularly that's not even a word sorry reg- um that was interesting because uh would be like you've got such an itchy hot foot like sit your ass down women just be traveling all over the world you know you've got a home to make you've got kids to have you've got men to marry you know why are you traveling up and down you know why don't you sit your ass down kind of thing and that was always the thing like where are you going now kind of <laughs> and it, it was never it was like oh you can't travel alone you know you're a woman so those kind yeah. of things have kind of kind of not been filtered down so we're kind of at a new age now where we're like we will be traveling and we will do it on our own and it's just about curiosity I guess definitely I think how are your family and your parents with you now in regards to your traveling because I find for me they were a bit similar, probably not as harsh, but now they're very like, yeah, go for it. They're always supporting it. Some countries, once in a while, they're side-eye, but they're really like, oh, like even on a holiday with them, it's like, oh, do you want me to take this picture for you? Do you want this picture, that picture? Like, how's the blog going? How's this? Which is quite inspiring. You'll still get the odd family members that, that are like, okay, don't you want to see yourself still? Isn't this enough? Blah, blah, blah. But I find now they're very supportive. Not they w- that they wasn't supportive before, but I think... For them, it's like, okay, what's she doing this for? Like, is she going through something? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, obviously the first thought was like, you're having a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis. And it was like, no, I just really enjoy traveling. And now they really like rate and respect my traveling. And actually I'm the first person mm-hmm. they come to for advice on where to go or what to do in a certain place. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. that, all of that spending and all of that lifestyle and enjoyment's actually paid off in a way. And they've actually got yes. to see it. I think my mum knows about my podcast. My dad knows about it, but he hasn't actually heard it. So hopefully when they do one day, they'll see like, you know, just about just what the hot foot was doing and the experience from that. So yeah, they do get involved now and again, like, oh, where you're going? And they want to know more about traveling. Mm -hmm. That's one benefit. And I guess I will probably like the go-to people when people want to ask what mm-hmm. to go and what to do so that that is that's a benefit i would say 
but that came up a bit of scrutiny from men and women outside and inside my family mm-hmm. especially as like the eldest in the family you're meant to be like the nurturer and stuff not the wanderer so it was like balancing the two the two scales of trying to combine yeah that's a lot of pressure as well isn't it because it's like you want to fulfill your desires that like you want to scratch that itch don't you but then when you have the pressures from your family and a lot of the times we want to make them happy you have that that internal battle yeah it's true but then you need to find your own zen and peace and happiness and that is exploring for me so gotta find a medium of the two i think balancing your time in london and your time traveling is key for that Mm. i mean life is for experiencing you can always meet your man and have your kids a lot, of, a lot of women are settling later on in life and it shows in our generation and you, oh, you yeah. get to give time and you can travel with kids which is what people well, this is the thing as well it's like i think the worst thing is to listen to someone later on in life that is saying oh i wish i did this i wish i did that like travel is not for everyone and we're not here to impose it and say just because you don't travel you're not enjoying because some people are just homebodies and that's absolutely fine um but it just opens up your eyes to so much and like you said you meet people abroad you can bring your children it then sets up the next generation for something new so they're not confined to those gender roles it's like children are going in to say okay I want to do this I want to explore I want to experience I think it also gives them better um, communication skills like I find that when you speak to other people like our age group that do travel they're just like they've got a nice vibe to speak to they're a lot more open with other people because they've just opened their eyes to so much more it's true actually I do find if you find the men that travel a bit more are more respectful in a way yeah you know who I really like though I must say you know that guy that I met that lived by your house (laughs) easier to talk to I find yeah they are no, they are another guy that I met by your house. Do you agree? That I was telling you about. Um, I can't remember his name. But um, yeah, I think when I was coming to yours, I met him and we started just talking over travel at the door because you have the door for me and we got into travel somehow. And it's things like that. You just literally start to talk to people, understand their experience and just have that nice connection. It brings across a connection through different people, even if you've had different walks of life. Could you hear me? No, 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 I couldn't hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. my connection's a bit, a bit going a bit funny. Okay. Um. So back on this travel etiquette now. This mm. thing. Um. Do you, what are some of your experiences that you found of, you know, some of your travel etiquette lessons that you may have learned along the way? Okay, I've learned a few. This one's a tricky one. So it can be hard, the whole travel etiquette thing. Etiquette? Etiquette. Yeah, the whole travel thing Because it's like, for instance, when you're staying with someone out, it's always like, how are you supposed to act? So I found when I was in South of France, I was staying with an Ivorian family. Mm-hmm. I hadn't met them before. 
I knew the lady's daughter. I wasn't close to her or anything. So I literally just went, not knowing them, had spoke to them on the phone once. I had to use a translator because I couldn't even speak to them in English. And when I was there, it was amazing. Like, they really looked after me. They didn't expect any money for her. Like, so naturally, I'm a person. If I go and stay at someone's house, I'll make sure I've already got everything I need so I don't have to bother them. But she was more on the space where, okay, you're staying with me. She literally gave me everything. She would give me food. She didn't even want me to eat outside and would get upset um she wanted me to sit not all the time sit around them but she really included me um which is lovely but every culture is different so I know sometimes in the black culture we can be very appreciative accepting people come to stay with you and they will give you everything whereas I find there'll be some people in some black people from different cultures that you can stay with them but they really expect you to fend for yourself. So it's always quite difficult. You kind of have to know who you're staying with. So I find me personally, if I'm staying with someone free of charge, I will try and give them something, at least give them some money, at least try and offer to tidy up those little things. But naturally you can forget. So I found like when I went to Ghana, once again, I was staying with um, a friend's family and out there, they actually didn't want me to do anything. So I'm a person, say what you mean on it. Like, I will offer to help, but I'm not going to offer five times. If you say no the first and the second time, I'm not asking again, which is not exactly a good thing, but that's just the way I am. Like, I found my friend, being at her family, and she was of a different culture to me. She was on the ball when it came to helping out. She was just like that, you know, um, what's the word? You know, you get them students, them students that are just there, the teacher's pets type of student. Yeah. It was like that, I'd blink. And she was doing everything before I even got a chance. So it did make me feel away. So I was like, oh, they must be thinking, listen, I've let this, this jam old girl into my house and she's not doing anything. <laughs> but it wasn't even that. It was just like every time I think, okay, let me just set on my belly and then move the dishes. The girl would be on it to move the dishes. I was just like, can you just give me a chance? So I'd like try and do little things. But then remember out there, they've got their house help and stuff like that. So I'd go to do it. And they'll be like, no, don't do it. So I always felt like a bit uncomfortable in between like a rock and a hard place. It's like, I'm not lazy. I'm happy to help. Um, but I never get to help in time. Or if you say no, I don't want your help. I'm sorry, I'm taking what you say. So there'd be times where I'd be like, oh, I'm tapping the kitchen. Um, the lady would be like, no, it's fine. And then my friend would come down and then she'd start helping. And she'd look at me to say, so you haven't offered to help. You wasn't here. She said no. So I'd just be sitting there thinking, oh, sugar. So, like, when I was leaving that house, um, I said, no, before I went, actually, I said to my friend, I asked the lady, do you want anything from the UK? She was like, no. Because I don't know, like, you might be able to explain this better being Nigerian. Like, I find some people don't like to take things. But me as a Jamaican, like, I will always bring something or leave something. So I asked her, did she want anything? She said no. So I got, like, the kids' sweets and stuff. Um... And then I think when I was leaving, I said to her, oh, I'm going to give your cousin some money. And she was like, no, she basically she'll be offended. And I was like, OK, so what am I supposed to do? Because no one gave me the heads up on what I need to bring. Um, I think even though I brought the kids some sweets, even that was a bit of an issue. So the girl was like, did you ask them if their kids could have sweets? I was like, bloody hell, they're kids, mom. Just give them the sweets. And it... So it was just like I felt everything. I wasn't really in line with some of their... Um, was not rules some of their values that was it so near to the end what I did is I just left some money and left them a little note because I didn't have time to get a card and stuff like that so I left the money but I gave it to the kids because I knew she would never take the money 
when I say literally the next day, she was phoning my phone, phoning my phone, phoning my phone, because she was already upset that I'd brought her daughter a present. But I think it's because she didn't want to seem as though she was begging, which she wasn't at all. It was just, if I see that your child likes something, I've been staying in your house, I'm going to get it for them. So I had this call. So she's left a message on my phone. She's just like, okay, I've been trying to contact you because I see you've left me some money and I don't understand why you would have left me any money. I was just thinking, take the damn money, man. Like, I can't really deal with this. So I just said to her, listen, where I'm from, if I stay with you for free, I'm not going to not leave something because we have this thing where we don't want you to talk about us and say, she stayed in my house, she ate my food, and she didn't give me anything. So I felt it was necessary that I leave something. But I think going forward, if I'm staying with anybody, I would try and make sure I find out the sort of person they are, their culture, and play to my strengths in that way. And also maybe a bit proactive in things like quickly getting up to help and stuff like that. So it doesn't look as though I'm not doing as much, even though she had no problem with it. I just felt at times it might look okay. She's not as proactive as she could be. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the first time I remember going to someone's house and it was an empty sink and I just put my plate in the sink. This is in London that nauseating flying sauce of slap that my mom gave me <laughs> your life never ever you go to someone's house they've cooked and cleaned for you you see the sink is clean you're going to put your dirty lambasting plate inside that sink and i was just like wow like i really thought about my life <laughs> I really, really thought about my life, and I've to, from that day never, ever, ever. If I go to someone's house, I know they've gone to the trouble of cook, even if it's my boyfriend. If they cook, our friend, I'll make sure I've washed the plates, or I'll do something, or I've, I'll go to someone's, come to someone's house. I never come empty-handed. I think when you ask, you give too much um, freedom and choice for them to say no. Yeah. I think you just, just do. And then if you've done it afterwards and then they say, oh, I really, really don't want you to do that, at least, you know, for next time. I think ask, yeah. uh, ask questions later and do first. That's 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 what I think when you go to someone's house or you're, you're staying somewhere. Or, I, like, you know, if you're staying somewhere like a local place, maybe like a Riyadh or a, a country mm-hmm. house or, you know, like, a, like a, a small... It's not a hotel, like a guest house would say i would say maybe i either leave a tip or leave something valuable of yours as a present or something like that but i know in certain folklore or certain juju places they'll like don't leave your clothing you know um wow this is the thing this is what i'm saying everyone's perception is different like you said some people are very funny about items being left so it's kind of knowing that person but then what you said about the guest house if i've already paid for that guest house i may leave something but i may not because i've already paid you but it just depends how i'm feeling and what you've done for me but if i paid i paid yeah no i know what you mean that obviously the guest house is a family-run house it's not like a hotel like hotel if i've paid i've paid i'm i'm taking everything in the hotel i'm taking the soap (laughs) i'm taking the slippers i might even take the sheets (laughs) i'll take everything (laughs) you know what the hotel's always making money but with a guest house i think is that they've opened their home kind of out to you know a lot of them do stay on the premises and they do go over and beyond you know they do cookie meals they take you around so i feel it's only fair but you know in a lot of other cultures giving money as a gift is quite offensive to certain people so you kind of got to gauge it and play it by ear so i would say like any country you go to try to research the culture or like Mm. as you say get a feel of the person's personality first and then you know you won't be but then it offended anyone. 
It's like sometimes say what you want with your chest though, because I'm not gonna lie, these days, if you ask me if I want something, I'm not gonna pretend and say no, you know, if you say, Oh, Shreen, do you want anything from the shop? If I don't want it, I don't. But I'd be like, Yeah, man, come with a juice. Like, I'm not gonna say no to make it sound good. And I think sometimes people decline to make it sound good, but I'm not going to beg. I'm not begging. Like, if I say, Do you want this money? Do you want this item? Blah, blah, blah. I may ask you twice. After the second time, if you say no, I'm going to feel that you don't want it. So if you want the help, and I think this comes across not even just traveling in general, don't pretend, man. Take the help or take what people are offering because they say you should never look at gift horse in the mouth. Even if there's certain items I don't want, like I have to see a lot of my clients in their homes that are various, various cultural backgrounds. Sometimes they offer something. Even if I don't overly want it, I may still have it. Not like the house is dirty. I'm not taking tea and all them stuff. But some people, it's just a token of their love as well. And so um, I think to an extent, sometimes just take or accept. And where we said about um, culture and researching, I would just make to, uh, make to an example. Places like Japan. Okay, I can speak on places I've been to. So obviously in Nigeria, because I am Nigerian. Mm-hmm. And Japan, just because I know a lot about their culture. And it's quite similar to Nigerian culture. So um, oh. in a way where like when they bow, so that's either bowing oh. or you know, lowering your head, that's a sign of respect. Um, it's mm-hmm. also a sign to say thank you and stuff like that and, and a greeting um, and if you call, you can't call someone by their surname you have to say San or Sama which is the prefix mm-hmm. to the surname um, in other cultures like if you leave a bit of your food left over it means that you've enjoyed it in other places if you leave food in Nigeria they'll be like ah are you not hungry you want to eat more like what's wrong are you sick are you okay <laughs> you know what i mean so it's, different places have different cultures again like if you eat loudly in certain cultures they'll tell you to be quiet but in japan if you slurp it means you've enjoyed your food you know how they have their noodles really close to their face yeah that would be frowned upon you know so also their tipping culture i know in america if you do not tip you're like the wicked witch of the west but for us, tipping is like you get paid to do a job. If you do that job well, I may part with my hard-earned money, but it's not like a necessity. But in America, if you don't tip, literally, it's like you, you've committed a criminal offence. So it's always good to like weigh out those things. And again, in Japan, chopsticks are life. Whereas in Nigeria, a lot of the food is eaten with your hands. Uh, in London, if you try that, people will look at you like you're homeless. You know, there's different that you know different cultures i think it's about learning and respecting that also like the masks i did not get the mask thing in japan but they wear it all the time because a lot of the areas are heavily polluted but if, oh, the pollution yeah, yeah but if you just look around you'll be like ah, am i in a horror movie like why are you guys wearing masks like what does my breath stink what's going on see there's funny you say about you know and culture so obviously like the fact that we've traveled and also, I think we're not silly. We see that whole people wearing masks. Mm-hmm. One time at work, yeah, and I was actually offended. Um, there was a black lady and she had a mask on coming to the hospital. In my head, the first thing I thought is she doesn't want to catch germs. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people are like, is that lady okay in her head? What is wrong with her? No, I was vexed. And true, because she's black as well, I'm getting upset. She's like, what is wrong with her? Why she got that? I'm like, I use that stupid. They're like, oh, look at her. 
I, she ended up being my patient. So when she's coming, I didn't ask her. She told me, she's like, you know, I've got a really bad chest infection. The doctors told me to wear the mask. And I think this is the problem. A lot of the times we see things. And just because they're not of our culture um, or something we're used to, we're quick to frown upon it or look down on the person. Ask the damn woman if she wants to wear a mask to protect herself from people and their nastiness. Let her wear the mask. But I was, you know, I get frustrated, you know, like you know, someone tries to judge a black person around me. I get agitated. But I was just thinking that's the thing, like it's about understanding other people. And especially when you go to their country as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, do your research and ask. I think asking can be sometimes a bit difficult because um, sometimes the way I ask, it can come across as like I'm giving an interview, but I really want to know, like, am I doing things right? Is this okay? And stuff like that. So I think always ask and make sure, because like I said, you don't want to offend. And I think some places you go to, they do actually expect you to know how to use the right hand to shake with, where to bow, what thought to pick up, etc., etc. Yeah, definitely. So try saving that. <laughs> yeah, on from that, I was just um, to round my point, even something as well as taking off your shoes before you enter any threshold that could mm-hmm. be of a shop um that could be uh of someone's home a lot of countries do have that whereas sometimes in london i see people walking in good good house with outdoors mm-hmm. clothes and shoes and i'm thinking jesus christ of nazareth what is this jesus is Lord. <laughs> <laughs> i always ask because i don't like wearing shoes but even sometimes people come to my house not like some of them, I've literally, I know they'll forget. I'll be like, get them off now. <laughs> get them off now. <laughs> I don't care, but I'll get them off now. Some people, I'll give a small bly, but everyone, please, when you go to people's house. Take your shoes off. Or well, ask them first. Yeah, because some people will say yes. Some people will actually say keep them on, because I know some people that are like, no, it's fine. But please, from today, going forward, ask them. Mm-hmm. Ask. Please. very very uh just around up but um a lot of people i remember when i was young if i go to peckham i'll be literally prostrating bowing literally non-stop i'll literally be up down up down like a chicken so it would look like there's something wrong with me and i know my friend was like what's wrong with you why do you do that when you see it? i said well i have to explain to her so when you it's called prostrating so when you it's a sign of respect when you see an elder you know you do bow or you do kind of do a little curtsy if, if it's a guy coming to meet a woman as parent of woman of interest or, you know, present themselves to the person at wedding, especially in your tradition, um, tradition, a guy will prostrate all the way to the floor. So it's basically like he's kissing the floor in a plank position. And that's like the mm. utmost respect that you can actually give someone that's, you know, uh, it's really showing um, yourself to be a humble person. And it's, it takes a level of humility to actually just get low on the floor. So if you do see any Nigerians doing that, that's what they're doing. It's a sign of respect. They haven't gone mad or they haven't got a bad leg. Um, <laughs> another thing is that, as you mentioned, receiving with your right hand and giving with your right hand. Some people are actually left-handed, but back in the day, they would see it as a like a diss if you gave someone something with your left hand. So just little tips like that, I find, is um, good to just know before you visit somewhere. And this one thing I wanted to touch on is privilege of the local people. Now, mm-hmm. when people go to local, um, uh, visit local people and remote towns and villages, you know, you always want to see, like, I remember in Morocco um, and Egypt, there were, like, the people that lived in the, like, Berber villages and people that lived in the, in the desert. And a lot of these people are opening up their place of their way of life, their culture and their homes and their children, you know, their, the whole family were there. They're opening up 
to tourists to see. The least I feel that you can do is if you really want to learn an experience and live, you know, vicariously through them is not to gawk at them like they're an ex ex exhibition, you know, engage with them as normal human beings. You can learn from their culture, ask questions, embrace their way of life. And, you know, um, don't they kind of join in. If you see them doing a ceremonial dance, ask. I'm sure they'll be, you know, you could join. Same with belly dancers in Morocco. I think all of those things. And I feel that, you know, if you do, if you are witnessing these kind of once in a lifetime things, do teach them something, impart some sort of wisdom on them or donate. You know, if yeah. if you're if you're learning about their culture and dancing, show them something that you do or teach them some English words. I really feel that I think Western society really do take advantage of that. And then some of these people are not even privileged to see actually human beings from in the remote places that they live. So that's something to think about. I feel that when you are going on a, um, a tour or holiday like that, kind of think of the people that are less privileged than you and maybe buy something. Even if you don't want to donate your money physically, like just for nothing, maybe buy something, buy some of their crafted, handcrafted goods or something like that. Mm -hmm. so, I think what you said is so true. I find that a lot of the times we don't support the locals who need it. And also, what was I going to say now? Um, it's a bit off, but similar to what you're saying, Please ask them if it's all right to take pictures first. Yes. Because <laughs> Listen, like, I remember even in Gambia, I was filming around, not the people themselves, and a lot of them hid their face, which yeah. is fine. But I asked, but before even asking, I would never say, can I just have a picture? Engage, like, even the littlest thing is that person, not even a little thing, it's still a big thing, that person may be into agriculture. Talk to them about the oranges, man. Speak to them. Get to know them. And even if you do want a picture, maybe say, can we have one together? But not every day. Just take out your camera and shove it into people's faces because it's a problem. It's a, that is a big problem, you know. Listen, like, so I think that naturally the world you're in, we always want to snap the moment, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes just take in the moment. And once again, be respectful. Ask if it's okay. And like you said, buy a little craft. Give them a little change, like eat their food. In Mexico, I had some street food, quite a lot of street food, which some of the people around me, my family were like, Shereen, don't bother. But I said, you know what? I'm going to have some. To be fair, like, they wasn't even charging for it. I still gave them money. But I was like, just to give them something and just to speak to them and just ask them a bit about who they are, a bit about their culture. It's just, it's key, man. It's key. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, in true door fashion, we are rounding up. Uh, is there any last words before our last podcast? Before our next podcast, uh, should I say? This is not the our next podcast. Any last words? Research. Just research and open your mind. That's the main things I would say. And just don't think that our English slash Western way of life is what is the is just it like there's so much more there's so much we can learn off other people and don't impose our values on theirs that's it i would say respect but i'll do it in an acronym I'm literally just making this on the spot but i think respect is key in everything you know respecting people for who they are as a woman as a man their gender their beliefs their religion you know their way of life so obviously offer respects E for being earnest. S for being sincere. I forgot how to spell for a minute then. <laughs> P for being polite. 
E for being extra, like go that extra mile, you know. Um, C for concern, and I say T for transparency. You know, be open, be honest. And that's it, really. Yeah, I think you need to write that down. Maybe put it on a card and and post it. So I will. Know. <laughs> I mean, it's hard in your purse when you go on holiday and be like, "All right, what are the what are the points that I need to remember?" Respect. <laughs> oh, yes. I would start busting up in song, but you know my voice is dead, so I will not. <laughs> I'll just leave us our last our theme tune as ever. See you guys. Take care. Bye.